I gotta say it. Let's give it up for the band. Am I right? <laughs> that was that was just too good. Wow, we've we've had a bit of a long day, right? I mean, Bible study, breakfast tacos, um, scooters. Guitar was broken twice. Um, a lot, a lot has happened today, right? Mud football, mud games, boo, boo. Um, yeah, no, exciting. And now we've made it to Saturday night of Lauraville. Um, one step closer to the bus ride home. Boo, I know, I know. Um, but let's not think about that yet. Let's just, let's just be present tonight. Um, yeah, wow. So, so this morning, right, we were talking about sin. Um, I was talking about sin, and then I invited you to talk about it with your group. But um, that tendency, right, of us uh, to, to choose ourselves over God, um, to make ourselves our own God, almost, you know, to, so that we can choose what we think is good, so that we can decide for ourselves what's best. Um, and I started with, with Adam and Eve, right, the people um, where, where we see that God made us in his own image and likeness, you know, and then they had to leave that garden, that perfect harmony, and, and be subject to, like, hardship and death. Um, and I, I mentioned, like, God's generous love didn't stop there, right, that, like, there was more to the story that he desired to, to continue to reveal himself to us. And that story really is salvation history, right? The history of God saving love. Um, for, for man, the, the proof of God's desire for us that I talked about last night, that like God desires so much to be in relationship with you. And so we're going to kind of tonight start by um, zooming through salvation history um, but we're, that's my little airplane. Um, we're going to fly through it because I'm going to point out some key figures because again, this I think is, is so important to understanding, um, how we get from the fall of man <laughs> to the cross. You know, that's a, it's a bit of time in between and it's, it's hard to comprehend. So, so we're just going to, we're see like the rise and fall of man throughout history. And it, and it starts with Adam and Eve, right, that, that God began this relationship with man and woman, with this first couple, you know, and the two shall become one flesh. So really, it's like with one person, God started. Um, and he started the story of salvation. And because of the choice of man, you know, there, there was a brokenness in that relationship, right? And the next key figure, um, Noah. Do you guys know a guy? Uh-huh. Um, Noah, what do we know Noah for? An ark. Awesome. So, so Noah is another key figure, right, where God, God established a covenant with Noah, and he said, you know, now, not just with this couple, not just with this, you know, first people, now I'm going to say with a family that there is, there is more, like, I have more in store. I love you so much. I want to bring you back, Right? And that kind of rose up, and it was awesome, and then, like, they started to make kind of bad decisions. Noah kicked it off with some of the bad decisions. And so a few more years go by, right, and we get to Abraham. You guys know Abraham? Um, great guy. Um, 
He is, is the father, right, where um, God says to Abraham, I'm going to now make my covenant with an extended family, right? That like, it's not just one person, it's not just a small family, but now it's like you and your children and your children's children and their children. Like, I love you so much. Like, please be in relationship with me. And, and Abraham did an okay job at that, but then he started to fall too, right? And so then Moses comes about. I talked about Moses the first night, right? And, and he had tablets, before they were cool, um, and these tablets with God, right, that like, now it's not just one person and a family and the extended family, but now God's saying, with the nation, I'm going to make a nation of Israel and establish a relationship with them. And, and so he brings the people out of Egypt where they were enslaved, and he sets them free, and then they choose to worship something other than God, right, a golden calf. I mean, come on, that sounds pretty lame. Um, but, but they just like screw up again. And God's like, I, I love you so much. I'm still going to come after you. And so above that nation of Israel, this king rises up, David, right? A man after God's own heart. <laughs> and, and finally, they're like, woohoo, yeah, like we're doing everything right. And David was also pretty great, but he wasn't perfect. And so we still kind of messed up. <laughs> and so then the prophets come. And they start preaching about someone who's even better than David, which people are like, what? There can be someone better than David. He was so good. Um, and the prophets are saying, no, 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 no. Like, God still loves us. <laughs> like, he still loves us despite the fact that from Adam and Noah and Abraham and Moses and David, like, despite all of that time where we just were walking away from God, like, God still loves us so much. And so the prophets start proclaiming of one final new and everlasting covenant, one final way to just reconcile his people back to him. You know, Isaiah is one of those major prophets that a lot of people know. And he says, um, he says in chapter 9, right, like, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. He's prophesying of this light to come to the people of God who are just so lost, right? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And Jeremiah also, he, he prophesies of this like coming, coming king who's going to transform everything, who's going to make away with those horrible sins of the past and, and transform us. And bring us back to God. He says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, 
and I will write it upon their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Like those two questions on on Friday night, like who is God and who are you? Like here, it's like God is answering that. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will bring them back. But how? How is that done? Or really, like, through whom is that done, right? That's where Jesus, Jesus gets to come into the story of salvation history. John, John 3.16, right? I said that yesterday or today or at some point, but that God so loved the world that he became man, he entered into the world. He said enough is enough, like the son of the father is going to come and transform your hearts that are so tempted and so far away and in darkness, and I'm going to bring them to light, myself, that the, the communion of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit made present here on earth like never before. And so this, this word of God, right? We see it in John, that just the beginning of how John writes, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and that word is Jesus, right? The thought, the word of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. That after all the messiness of salvation history, right, where you're like, we've seen battles, we've seen people, sometimes get sacrificed. Like, we've seen a lot of crazy things, God. And, and what does God do to say, I'm going to come save you? Wah! Like, he comes as a baby. He comes as a baby in a manger. Like, he shows up as a tiny child and, and begins to unfold the story of of reconciling us back. He begins to unfold the transformation of our very lives, coming as a baby, right? So he starts as a baby, as we all do. Um, If you did not start as a baby, I would like to meet you afterwards. It's very interesting. But Jesus came as a baby like all of us, (laughs) and that's where his life began here on earth. Even though he was with God in the beginning, always, right, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always from the beginning, but in this moment in time, he came and dwelt among us in flesh. And then we have these many stories of the life of Jesus, right? He grew up, he made friends, he went to weddings, he healed people, he performed other miracles, like walking on water, like He experienced humanity at the best of times (laughs) when they were joy-filled and people were supportive of him, but he also had to flee from town sometimes because people were getting rowdy. You know, he had people who really genuinely started to hate him and to come after him. He taught us so much about the father who had sent him. He taught us so much about the Father, and then he promised his Holy Spirit, too, as an advocate for us. And all these things, right, like, to sum up and say, like, and that's the life of Jesus, is like, meow, 
that's tiny granule, right? Like the life of Jesus, I, that you can never get tired of telling the life of Jesus. It's amazing. But the, the most amazing part of the life of Jesus that we get to reflect on tonight is that he ultimately came to, to suffer and die. He came for our sins and to take them away. To take them on to himself to get rid of them. And to undo, you know, that choice of Adam. Paul reminds us of that, right? In his letter to the Romans. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Then as one man's trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. Like, Jesus came to die, but it was to give us life. Jesus came to undo what we couldn't undo ourselves, right? What I was saying just earlier today, also from Romans, where Paul says, I I want to do the good thing, and then I do what I hate. (laughs) I can't avoid it. I can't stop it. But Jesus comes. Jesus comes to say, like, that's not what you're made for. And I'm going to make it possible for you to live the way that you were made. Truly. I'm going to make it possible for you to live how you were supposed to be living. Here on this life, on this earth, and in the next. And it's, it's a free, undeserved gift, right? I say that and it's kind of like, aren't all gifts free and undeserved, right? Like, you get a gift you don't normally pay for it. Um, but think about like the gifts you get for your birthday or Christmas or an occasion, you know? And it's like it kind of is a fitting setting for you to be getting a gift, right? Like if I handed you a bouquet of flowers right now, you'd be like, wow, yes, that, thank you. That's such a surprise. You know, I, I don't deserve this. Um, and it would be like, yeah, any, any gift is like that. But um, it's even more, more awesome when they're like a gift that you didn't even ask for, right? I, uh, this is such a silly story, but I thought of it today and I was like, you know what, Lord, if I'm thinking of it now. Um, a few years ago, we, uh, with Vagabond, we, we are a nonprofit in Pittsburgh. And so um, we raise money as nonprofits to do what we do. Um, so like when we want to go to McDonald's and different things with um, our teens. And so uh, we used to do the Pittsburgh Marathon as one of our fundraisers. And um, I used to run it sometimes. And uh, what's cool about the Pittsburgh Marathon is that a lot of people come out for it. So it's very exciting. And at mile 23 or 22, it was in Bloomfield, um, this was a few years ago, I was, I was running and there was the station of people um, and they were just shouting out, free meatballs, you know, and I was like running. Um, I was running to an 80s music playlist and it was awesome. Um, but I was like, free meatballs, I totally want that. And so 
I was like jogging and um, they didn't hand me a free meatball because like the guy who was spooning them to people was turned around and everyone else heard me like, or, or saw me reaching for it, um, but he didn't. And so I just kept running, I was like, whatever. And I kid you not, a mile later, a spoon approaches me on the side with a meatball on it. And it's just the guy, and he says no words. No words, not like, here's your meatball, or I'm sorry. He just hands me a meatball and, and, to, and waits for me to put up my hand and drops it into it. And I didn't know what to say, because he didn't say anything, so I just said thank you. Um, and, and then he disappeared, and I've never seen him ever again. I wish I could say that man was Steven, but it wasn't. Um, mysterious meatball man is how he lives in my heart and my mind. But he gave me a, a free, undeserved, surprising gift that day, right? Like, I even kind of searched after it, but I didn't search after it hard enough. You know, I, I let it pass me by, and he still came after me with it, right? And so, more than a meatball, right? <laughs> Thank God, more than a meatball. Jesus offers us this gift of mercy, like the gift of forgiveness, the gift of his love, and really the gift of the cross, right? I, uh, I heard this story a few years ago, and it was like, um, but um, it was an invitation to think of the crucifixion, but from Barabbas, Barabbas's standpoint. Um, and if you're like, who is Barabbas? Barabbas was a murderer who was in jail for his crimes. It's a good thing to be in jail for is when you've murdered people. Um, and uh, we hear about him because when Jesus was living his amazing life, right, I mentioned that he was pissing off some people, and they wanted him to die um, because they were being threatened by him. Um, they were some religious leaders. They were people who doubted him. They just were like, this guy needs to go because he's blaspheming. He's saying things that are stressful. They're threatening. They're, they're not true, and we want to get rid of him. And so they... <laughs> brought Jesus to Pilate, who is a Roman official, and said, we want you to kill him. A and um, Pilate was like, well, there's this Jewish tradition where you guys can have um, someone released back to you who won't die. And do you want Jesus, who seems pretty innocent to me, or do you want the mass murderer Barabbas? Um, so that's the backstory of Barabbas, right? But think about it this way, is that Barabbas was up in his cell. He doesn't know what's going on. He hears people chanting his name, Barabbas, Barabbas. Um, but, you know, that's not really a great cheer, right? Because he thinks they're cheering his name to kill him, <laughs> right? He doesn't know that actually Pontius Pilate is saying, do you want me to kill Jesus or Barabbas? He's just like hearing his own name chanted. And then <laughs> Pontius Pilate is like, well, what do I do with Jesus? And they're like, crucify him. And again, Barabbas only hears, crucify him. <laughs> and so Barabbas is chilling up in his holding cell, hearing his name chanted and crucify him chanted, right? 
And then he walks out of his cell, because the Roman official comes to get him. And he is ready to die for the sins that he committed. He legitimately murdered people. Like, he should die. He knows that. He's, he's getting ready to die. And instead, they release him. And he, and he was the first person. He was the first person to be pardoned for his sins and to walk a free man because Jesus was about to die for him. And it didn't stop there. <laughs> it did not stop there, right? Like, Jesus continued on to carry his cross and to die, not just for Barabbas that day. Jesus says in Mark, like, I came <laughs> for the sinners. Like, the, the healthy don't need a physician. The sick do. Like, the righteous don't need a savior. The sinners do. And that's what I came for. But by saying that, he points out something I mentioned this morning. That we have to claim the reality of our sin in order to claim the reality of the cross. We need to know that we are the sinner in need of that cross. And, and Jesus had will, right? He had his own will, just like we do. But what did he do with his will? He chose the will of the Father. He chose the cross. He chose to take on our sin to reconcile us back to the Father, to restore that relationship. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was willing to choose humiliation. I mean, that's what dying on the cross was. It wasn't just a way to die. It was the Romans' way of humiliating people, of saying, don't do whatever this person did, or you're going to end up like this. You'd walk into towns and people were lined on crosses, dying. But he chose that. He chose that. He chose to be beaten, afflicted, to be stricken. He chose to do that, to endure that, to suffer through it. Because... He knew 
He knew what was said. He knew the will of the Father. He knew that it was through his stripes we would be healed. It would be through that cross and that suffering that he would be able to bring us back. Like he chose, he chose to suffocate on that cross, right? Like he didn't, he didn't want sin and death to keep us away anymore. He didn't want that to be the end of our story. Just like it wasn't earlier this morning, I said, it's, it's, we're not at the end of the story yet. And, and that's what Jesus wanted to show us is that you, you're not at the end of the story yet. God's saving love hasn't been completed yet. And so he chose to take every step towards the cross, towards his own death, to say, my story of love is not over yet. (laughs) He cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them. And then once again, when someone next to him, who, who was a criminal, who was rightly dying for their crimes, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like, you don't deserve to be up here, but I do. And what does Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Like, yes, (laughs) you get it. (laughs) You get my love, you get my mercy, you you get to be reconciled with me. We're we're bought with the price of the blood of Christ on the cross. We are one back, right? But even on the cross, the story isn't over. Even on the cross, when you think, like, can't really come back from that one, you know, death, what does Jesus do? He he rises. He does. In in three days, he, he comes back. And so he took all of our sin and allowed it to be nailed to the cross with him And not just the sin of one person or two people or the people in salvation history where certain things had been promised, but like all the people that would reject him and hate him, all the people who actually were nailing him to the cross, the soldier who pierced his side, every single one of those people. And he took it on and he let it be nailed to the cross with him And he died, and he left it there. And he rose again. And and that's why he invites us to follow him, right? Like, that is the invitation of Jesus, is to embrace the cross. He says, if you want want to be a follower of me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and, and follow me. And that's what it looks like, because then... We don't just follow him to his death, right? That means we get to follow him to his rising. That means that once again, the story is not over. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. just means a lot. <laughs> so we're going to get a chance tonight um, to just pray with that. An opportunity to reflect and to make a choice, you know. To make a choice to, to hear, to receive, to live according to this this reality of Christ's love, this willingness of him to give himself for us, right? And I don't know. I mean, I asked on Friday, like, why are you here? And, and you might have your variety of reasons. And so maybe going into 20 minutes of silence, you're like, I'm not ready for that. And that's okay. Um, I just ask you to be respectful. You know, don't, don't take away the opportunity for someone who is ready. Um, but if you are ready, or if you're just curious, this gets to be the time where you get to just spend a moment alone with God, away from the mud and the s'mores and the dancing and all the wonderful things that have already happened this weekend. And you get to just spend a moment by yourself understanding who God is. Asking him to help you understand who he is, especially in the reality of his love on the cross. And so, if you don't know where to start, I'd encourage you to start with just saying thank you. Just saying thank you and letting the Lord into your heart from there. So we'll pray, um, and then I'd really encourage you to even leave this space in silence, again, so that you're not robbing someone else of the opportunity to take this time seriously. But also, have no fear, there will be a, a buzzer, a bell of some sort that'll go off to let you know that your 20 minutes are over, so you don't even need to look at your phone. Like, in all seriousness, if you're going to be tempted by that and you don't want to be, give it to a leader of your group, I don't know, yeah, maybe. Um, but like, like, just don't even have it in your pocket if you, if you really want to take this seriously and don't want that to be something that you're, you're tempted by. Um, so you'll just be able to leave here and, and just pray or just sit or just sit and be quiet for once. <laughs> so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your cross.